Hi everyone. Listening to these podcasts may bring up some strong emotions for you. Please allow yourself to find a comfortable space and reasonable time afterwards for nurturing and self-care. Thanks for listening. Hi everybody. It's good to be getting back into the swing of things. I'm here as usual with Jerry. However, today I am excited to be able to be talking to a special guest who is not only Jerry's wife, but is also CEO of Australian charity Films for Change and runs Studio Creative with Jerry. And welcome, Mel. Hi, Jan. <laughs> it's really good to be able to talk to you today. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you too. As you know, I've been doing some uh, podcasts and the latest ones have been around change, personal change, growth. And I know for you to get to the stage you're at now, CEO of Films for Change and all you've been doing uh, with Studio Creative, I'm sure there's been a lot of issues and things that have um, got you to this point. And I'd just really love to be able to explore that with you, to know how, how you, what your journey has been like. Um, what challenges might have come up for you uh, to get to the point and where you are now? The um, catalyst for me starting Films for Change was coming from a place of quite a lot of difficulty that I'd had in my life in the few years prior to to um, 2015 when I um, started setting it up. I lost my mum in 2012, mm-hmm. so... Uh, went through a lot of grief and different grieving stages. And I was also in a um, domestic violence relationship and that had been going for quite a few years. And then he passed away in early 2013 under very difficult circumstances. And I just found myself in this really weird place. Like I'd lost two people that were really important in my life, my um, mum and my partner. And even though that partner wasn't a very supportive partner and it was a very difficult relationship, it was such a huge time of loss and I felt really alone in the world and um, I hid away from people, yeah, and I just sort of hid behind the doors in the house really and I hung something up at the the front door so people couldn't see in. I felt like I wanted to hide inside a cave for a while. Yes. And it took me a couple of years before I even went and did something creative and I love doing creative stuff and I got invited by a friend to do something creative and that just sort of started like little stepping stones to finding myself again, I guess, because I'd lost, I'd lost who I was and was just in this, you know, pool of grief, I guess. Absolutely. Is yeah, the only way I know how to describe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is so, grief is so amazing, isn't it, how um, a, a person and a body can react to that process of grief. It is so overwhelming. And as you say, you just wanted to just lock yourself away. You just didn't want to face it. It was too much. It was so mm. hard. Yeah. And that is fairly normal and, and fairly common pro- process and, and to go through. And, you know, as you stated too, Mel, you you ha- also had the experience of living in a domestic violence situation. So often in that way, somebody living like that has often lost themselves in that process. Mm. 
and they don't know really who they truly are. And then all of a sudden, in a way, your your partner has passed away and you have, and your mother had it at, at, at prior, and then all of a sudden you, you're you trying to face all this grief and you're starting to sort of um, come out of it. However, your, your process was to need to lock yourself away to be able to sort of process that. And then, you know, you get the opportunity to think about something a little bit more creative and it's, that was a little door opener for you to start to uh, start to function again mm. in the world. However, this time it's about more about functioning as you are, mm. yeah. not who you were there mm. as a, a daughter um, and a, a partner and you were then able to sort of come out and start to think about that side of you. As you said, I love being creative. So this was a little door opener for you. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. And like you said, you're a different, I was a different person back then, yeah, to what, you know, I've slowly become over the years. Um, yeah, and you, you don't know when you're in that state as well that um, you're going to come out of it and it's just those tiny little steps that lead you lead you out. And creating Films for Change was one of those little steps and then it's, you know, been more steps along the way. That's amazing. And when did you start to think about expanding on your creativity? Because as you said, it was a friend that introduced you to something creative. How did you manage to expand on that? Yeah, so that first thing was um, a little little short film project with some other actors and that's where I met Jerry. And then I... Um, was asked by a friend who had been supporting me through, you know, the grief and she'd been there um, and been really helpful and she worked at Life Without Barriers and she asked if I'd like to come and volunteer and do some drama with um, some of the participants. So that was fantastic. So I started off just doing that and I wasn't, wasn't working at the time. I was purely just like being there um, with my children and um, looking after Maya and going there for one hour on a Friday. And I really enjoyed it, but it got me out there and I was out there with people as well. Mm. And um, working with people with disabilities is so much fun and brings so much joy as well. And I enjoyed doing that, doing some dance and drama with them. And then I started doing some other creative projects, some plays and some acting and, yeah, it just sort of like led to led to things along the way. And then talking with um, Jerry in 2014, we were working on a play. I was sharing how I'd like to create something that was around men's behaviour change because I felt that my ex-partner that had passed away didn't have the tools that, uh, he just didn't have the the knowledge or the the skills to know how to to deal with anger, and I wanted to create something that was around those those issues. And we just got talking, and and then uh, a friend of mine encouraged me to um, possibly set up a NFP. So that sort of led to creating Films for Change, and she's on the um, the committee of Films for Change as well. And then it became a charity and, yeah. 
Can I ask, Jen, when Mel was talking about, like, the pool of grief that she was in, it struck me that there's almost a dichotomy there. You're grieving for someone who has been abusive to you. Mm -hmm. To me, that says that is grief almost an unconscious process? Because if your conscious mind's in the way of that, it's like, well, they've been abusive to me. Why am I grieving? But Mel obviously sat in a pool of grief, as she said, for an abusive relationship or for someone that had been abusive. And hearing her talk about how, you know, one of the the impetus, one of the impetus for setting up Films of Change was that she wanted to create a series for men's behavioural change. Like she was able to see beyond like the abusive behaviour to what was going on for that person. So I wonder if grief is, it's almost like you can't stand in the way of it, it's going to happen, whatever. Mm. That's that's a really good uh, thing to explore more deeply um, because what is happening here is, and I only touched on it then um, with Mel, is that it's what you know. So even though it's, it was painful and hard to live, it's no longer going to be a part of you. So your body has to adjust to what, um, even though it was not good, your body's got to adjust to something different. And you've mentioned that in the past, hey, it's like yeah. your body likes yeah. what it knows, even it's, if that's, that's a right. healthy so you, thing. You, you need to st- lock that was the process of locking yourself away so that you could start to find out who you really are because you, in an abusive relationship that person has lost themselves. Mm, they don't right. know who they are really yeah. because they're being told certain things, mm. that you, you're useless, you're no good or you, you can't do this or you, whatever, and that's to make sure that you don't progress in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, to hold you down. Mm-hmm. Would that be right? Yeah, I think so. And also in that in that relationship, it's that's your whole focus. And that you know, they, there might be some other, you know, little things going on, but the whole focus is the relationship. So mm. when that stops and especially when that person is no longer there, they're not here in the world, it's it's such a weird thing to go Mm. through because you've been living this certain way for Mm. I I lived that way for seven years and then all of a sudden they're gone it's Mm. it's very yeah it's a very weird feeling it's it's quiet but it's yeah it's a a weird quiet because you're not used to it and you had the other grief of your mum you know attempting to work through that yeah, well, I was still going through a lot of stuff with my mum and um, just those different grieving stages and I had lost people before but not, yeah, not a parent. So that's a, it's, it's just a, it's, I don't know, it's an undescribable loss, especially I was so close to her as well and, yeah, it was like this, when he passed away, it was... It was so confusing about mm. all the grief as well, yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of anger there as well. I felt mm. angry. 
Yeah. I don't know. You feel all those different emotions when you're, Absolutely. you're grieving. Yeah. So overwhelming. The losses are incredible. Mm. And, 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 the, and the way you can feel is because, and as, a, as I've talked about, is that there's unresolved grief issues because we all have losses in our life and they're not just um, people. We have lots of different losses, you know, yeah. loss of identity, even loss of a job, loss of home, loss of a limb, loss of whatever it is. Um, and we can have all sorts of losses, but they're all exactly the same that we have the feelings for, the same processes we have to go through Yeah, because we're grieving. Yeah. And often people don't understand or know that. Yeah, and I think I felt sad. I remember feeling sad at times as well about who I was before I got into that relationship because I was a very trusting person and I had a different outlook and that really changed me. It's, yeah, and a domestic violence relationship can do that. So it's, um, and you don't know that at the time because you're just in it, but it completely changed who who I was, yeah. In all the years of me doing domestic violence counselling, working on the hotline, doing lots of crisis work, everything, I find that statement around I've lost who I really was. I, I don't, didn't even know it was happening because once um, they, often the partner will be a totally different person before with you uh, as you get to know, to get to more time with them, they'll be totally different. Once they feel as though they've got the hold, that's when things change, mm. and it's insidious. It, it happens. It's just so slowly. It's just, just a, it, but it's it's just like a, it, it is. It's, it's a horrible way of um, taking control because you just don't know what's happening. Start to change the way they're talking, and and uh, the restrictions start to occur, or the, the the things they might say about what you're wearing, or um, you know whatever it is. No, you can't. I want you, you have to get home at a certain time or mm. I'll expect you here and I'll be waiting for you or I don't want you to leave me. Um, yeah. Starts. Yeah. Yeah, because you've built up that connection with with that person and and then when that change does start to happen, that's when it's confusing because mm. you're like, oh, well, I must have done done something wrong because you haven't seen that side to that person so yeah you start mm. believing that you're the person who yeah not that you think about that at the time but it's me looking back now that yeah I started to think that I'd done something wrong and so then I'm yeah it just keeps happening. That's something that um, Mel and I have often shared like in in the first few years of our relationship and and I think still to some extent now, having both been in controlling relationships, that there's almost like our radars are kind of still on a bit of alert. It's not, it's certainly not so bad now, hey, like, but I know in the first couple of years we were both like, is that, have I done, have I done, am I waiting for something to, someone to say something? Is this okay? Should I hide this? Should I not do this? And it's like you almost get in this pattern of behaviour that your brain is like, on alert for anything that you might do wrong. And uh, and we sort of laugh about it now because we know on our conscious minds that it's like 
you know, you can buy something, you don't have to hide it. Or you can go out and be late back because the shops were busy and not have to worry that your partner's at home going to be angry. And we sort of joke about that now, but there's still a kind of a little subconscious thing, hey, babe, mm. like it's like, oh, maybe they are sitting at home and they're going to be angry with me when I get back or something. Or, but it's a natural, I think your body remembers. I don't know, my body seems to remember and it's the things that have happened in the past. So then it's just the state starts, the anxiety starts. And, uh, yeah, Jerry's not that way at all, but, yeah, it's like this this fear starts within me and it's not even needed, it's not real. I I love it when we can talk about the body because it just holds on to so much Mm. and we don't realise it and don't know it's happening. Yeah. And it's uh, quite amazing to know that we've got those physical sensations that uh, we are still going to be having because of what we've been through. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's visceral, hey, it's really, it's it's very physical. Mm. It's a very physical response Mm. that sets that up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the, um, one of the episodes in, uh, Mel's first series is Just a Choice with Films for Change. Um, and it's something that I experienced in previous relationship very physically was that sense of abandonment, that sense of... And I remember my um, counsellor saying to me, mate, you can't be abandoned, you're a grown-up. <laughs> you can feel that abandonment that you had as a child, but as a grown-up you can't be abandoned. You're perfectly able to look after yourself as a human being. And, um, but what you're experiencing is those childhood body sensations of abandonment. And so one of the first um, episodes we did with It's Just a Choice, Mel's first series of the Films of Change, was about the man whose wife is going out for lunch and she's dressed up looking nice and he's like, no, you can't go out dressed like that. And she goes out anyway and he's there and he's got all this negative self-talk going on. And... Like I still f- can f- get in touch and feel today those feelings of complete, almost getting out of control with, with the negative self-talk. And it was great to be able to put that out and, and identify that and put it in the, in the film series about how those body feelings just get taken over. Hey, and, and now, I mean, and that's why we joke about it now, I think, because it's like we recognise the body feelings, mm. but we know we don't have to act on them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll just communicate that I'm having those physical feelings, mm. but, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's just such a weird thing, isn't it, because you have those physical feelings, yeah. but you're going, why, why am I having that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I know why it is, but it's frustrating as well because you want them to stop. Is that something that, how do you stop that happening? Like you've, we've got years of years of one conditioned response. How do you then stop that response? Like because there was a time, um, right, pretty soon after Matt and I were together, like she was away and I couldn't get hold of her for like, um, it's probably about six or seven hours and we were very much in touch all the time and yet there was this big chunk of time where she wasn't in touch and my head was going nuts and 
It's like, has she been kidnapped? Has she gone off with somebody else? And my negative self-talk was just in full flow. And finally I get a phone call from this guy who's found Mel's phone like on the street. <laughs> and it's like, huh, that's why she wasn't in touch <laughs> because she lost her phone. And it was just like, and I was so grateful that I didn't act out on any of that negative self-talk. And I could see, it's like I could see it happening, but I was almost powerless against this tsunami of um, anxiety and negativity that just brought up all this old stuff again. How does one stop that? <laughs> um, dear, oh dear, I don't think I'm an expert in that field. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, we are... I can only put it this way. The more, for one or better words, work you have been able to do on yourself, your own well-being, the way you are, depending on the age you are at, um, where you're at in your life, what's occurring in your life, there's always going to be a pullback to something, somewhere. There's always going to be a trigger that will set something off and there'll be an, a bodily reaction to it. There's really no way, as far as I am aware, that a person can control that in, in the way of it happening. It's the way you allow it to happen. It's what you do with it. Mm. Because the more, the, the more you're able to sort of, okay, okay, I know where I'm going, I know I'm being pulled back, I know that's, that's something from the past, it's not the present. Uh, that's my body reacting to something that's similar to what happened in the past. And I know now this is where I'm at right now. So it's, a, it's about if, if um, a person has been able to be able to more clear who, with who they are right now in their life, whatever stage of their life they're at, they're more able to recognise that that is a past experience, a past feeling, mm. a past way of behaviour. Because often when you have behaviours that are, are occurring in you, they are uh, being there at times to support you even. They could have been something that you needed to do to help you in that part of your life. However, they may not be necessary now. You don't need to sort of do what you did back then to, for whatever reason. However, the trigger for what is occurring in the present will throw you back into that. Mm. So you're starting, but once you get clear, okay, that's, wait a minute, I've got to breathe, I've got to ground myself because I'm a great believer in grounding myself, grounding into, I, I do this all the time in my counselling session, Ground and feel your feet firmly on the ground. Who am I? I'm actually now, I'm a rational adult at this age. I'm not back there. Mm. I'm right here as the rational adult. I don't need to go back into that childhood state, don't need to go back into the rebellious teenager state, whatever it is. I'm right here now as this adult. Mm. And because we are human beings and we've all got these issues, we've all got past, we've all got triggers, we're all going to have that happen. And the more you get clearer with yourself around that, how to handle that and how to move through that, the easier it's going to be to not allow that to sort of pull you back for too mm -hmm. long.
So when Mel says that she recognises that feeling, it comes up and she sends me a message to say, I'm having that feeling and just checking in with you, like that's a very grounding thing to do because she's actually acknowledging that there's a feeling without reacting to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Whereas in the past it would have been... Just react. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And also when you recognise it, go, well, I really recognise the change in me because that's what we're talking about too, the changes that we make in our life, our personal changes, the changes the way we want to be, how we think, how we feel or how we act uh, because I used to overreact. I could feel my body overreacting. I would just go, Ugh. and I had to learn to pull myself back mm-hmm. uh, into my body in that current, this present state, that knowing that I didn't need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And as I said in, as I said in a previous podcast, that I knew it, the the way I was used to react was how I saw my father react, and I knew it wasn't right. It wasn't me. So I had to learn to be me. I had to find out who I truly was, to be who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's totally different Mm. and I was very thankful that I could do that work on myself. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you said about the different states of feeling that you said before about in you said rebellious teenager or that you don't have to respond in that way that you you might have done in the past but all those things still exist and those memories like those physical memories are still in there. Mm. Yeah, just hearing you say rebellious teenager, I go, oh, yeah, that's still in here. Mm, it is. <laughs> yeah, and different things come up and you go, oh, yes, I've got to run away, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but I, I'm a grown-up. Mm. <laughs> However, <laughs> if you do any uh, somatic type work around the body and feelings, it's, a, it's quite an amazing experience because we store things in our tissues. Mm. We store things in our bones. And so... Sometimes, you know, when I've done some somatic work, like um, they might, an emotional reaction might come up just by somebody rubbing their hand on your, your skin or uh, to, to connect to, you know, sometimes a connection could be in the tissue. Um, a feeling could come up, a trigger could happen. And then often um, it, it can go further down into the bone and um, if somebody pressures onto the bone and a trigger might come up because it's deeply embedded in mm. the bone. It's quite an amazing um, experience to, to do that sort of work and to know that's how we're storing, that's what we're storing in our bodies mm. and how, how our body's always, of course, going to remember because it's already there. Mm. Yeah. And when now that we're sort of at a certain age now and can appreciate that, and I like to say to people, honour it. Because you've been through a lot. We all have. You know, I can't, I don't think anybody's journey is a, a um, you know, perfect one, I don't think. Okay. Um, maybe somebody has got a perfect journey. We'd love to hear from them. <laughs> yes, we should have them on. <laughs> uh, however, that because we're going to be carrying what we know, mm. what's in the past. We're going to be carrying that. Well, of course we are. Yeah. And isn't it beautiful to think that we can get to a part in our life where we can say, I know what I've been through 
I know that's a trigger. Hang on a minute. I don't need to to react the way I did. Mm-hmm. And feel good about yourself for it. I know I have. I've been really honouring myself, the changes I've made, and know that it's so much, it feels so much better for me. I, you know, it feels so much more rewarding for me. Yeah. And I think that's what gives people, that can be such a hopeful thing for people and something to work towards is knowing that there actually are fundamental changes that you can do and steps you can take to start kind of putting yourself back together again and, and making that change happen, hey. Mm. And I love it because it doesn't really matter what age you are. I know it can be harder for people to change as they get older. However, it doesn't really matter when you begin to do that deeper work on yourself and know that you're wanting to live the rest of your life in a different way. Mm. And that's pretty yeah. much what you did, hey, babe, like, Mm. Like, I mean, out of necessity, I suppose, but those, as we often talk about, you know, the universe gives us what we need, not what we want. And it's like when you're given a catalyst for change, that that sort of starts the process, hey? Yeah. I know, and even though it's been, I've been through, you know, some difficulties and sadness, it's... It leads you on a journey, and that's just part of life, isn't it? Like mm. all those things are part of life, but it's it leads you to, like it's led me to positive change, mm. which I'm really grateful for. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds like a really great place for us to pick up next week and go from there. Okay, great. Wonderful sounds now. good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it today. Thanks, Jan. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I really look forward to catching up with everyone next week. <laughs>